Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey, and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had, and I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design Still my favorite is the built structure and interiors. In years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast, and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Shay Holland. Shay is an interior designer, but also a TV, I'm going to say star. She's a a co-host on TV shows on HGTV, and she's actually developing a new show currently. She comes to us from the Los Angeles area. Shay, so, so excited to have you on the show. Our little chat that we've just had, just, I've got so many things going on in my mind, um, I also want to slip in here before I finish this intro that Shay was an investigative reporter and that that's going to come up when we're talking about things. And we're just uh, this this observation, her ability to observe and her ability to not necessarily comment on what she observes, but to be able to put the pieces together. Think investigative true crime type reporting here. Shay, welcome to Talk Design. It's such an honor to have you here. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, thank you so much for that introduction. It's already been a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's fabulous. Let's just kick off with, you were this little girl at one point that went, the world's my oyster and you've landed here. Give us a bit of runway on that kind of like, what, when you realized that this, because it wasn't the first thing that you chose to do, but when you realized that your life was going to go this way and going backwards into your, maybe your childhood a bit and see where the markers were and tell us about that. Because if we can see those, then listeners can go, oh, oh, they can find something in there. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely all goes all the way back to childhood. It just took me a while to put the pieces together of where my true runway would be, which is design. And um, from the time I was young, my dad just had me in his workroom with him, teaching me how to restore furniture. We were a military family. And so on military bases, you know, it's just horrible housing. And so but my dad always had this little bit of flair and he traveled internationally a lot, Germany, Japan, all these different countries. And so we would constantly also bring pieces back. Back. Oh, wow. And so I saw the way that we would put things together and the way that we would add to them. He would take me to, we lived in this farm area. And so you could actually just go to like people's barns. They would open them up and say, there's stuff here. And we would find these amazing treasures. And so our home was this mix that always turned out beautifully. And I just, I was always fascinated with you know, just even today, the other day, I, I I got a new drill and I was thinking, oh, my dad never did stuff with a drill. He liked to do it with his hands. He would do a screwdriver with his hands, even into a two by four. You know, I'm not that strong. So sorry, dad. <laughs> yeah, it is to dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a true craftsman, though, he took mm -hmm. so much pride in his work. And later on, as I got a little bit older, I um, heard about Habitat for Humanity. I'm not sure if you have it there uh -huh. in Australia. Yeah, we do. And, um, and so I got involved with, uh, I wanted to learn how to actually build houses. And there you can learn everything. And I think within a matter of days, they had me up on the roof doing the roofing, because in the area where I was helping out, the houses are built very high, because the lots are very narrow. And a uh -huh. lot of the workers and volunteers had a fear of heights. And they're like, we're not going up on that roof. <laughs> it's four stories up. And I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> and that's kind of the military kid in me that's like, sure, let's try it. <laughs> Where's the adventure? Um, um, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Right. You yeah. know, I'll put a harness on and if I fall, I fall, but I'm not going to probably die. And um, I just found when I was working with Habitat as well, because of our lots were such an issue, the architects often, I would hear them in the office, they would be like, oh, we can't do that. We do need this bathroom there for the size of the family, but we can't fit it there. And so I finally said, you know, one day, can I, can I see those plans? Like I had never seen architectural plans before, Yeah. Um, but I looked at them and I was like, and to me, it was almost like a, a, a puzzle or jigsaws when you were a kid. I'm like, well, why don't you just do this, this, and this? And, and they looked at me. <laughs> And, it was, and I remember the very first time it happened, it was literally a matter of changing the orientation of a bathtub to make this bathroom the size that it needed to be. <laughs> and I'm like, nobody ever, you know, and so that started happening where, um, so then I was invited to be part of the architectural review team. Oh, and, okay. Um, I was going to say, because yeah. that, that conversation goes one of two ways. Yeah. Either, either you never see another set of plans again. Right. Or, <laughs> exactly. Or exactly. you get engaged into the process, one or the yeah. other. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah I, yes. And I loved being part of the process. It was absolutely fascinating because, you know, it was giving me the whole picture of not just building the house, but seeing where it starts and where the, the, the vision starts and being able to execute it. And ultimately, um, I just I loved it so much. I decided to get my own contractor's license because people I had started that. coming to me by yes. then. Yeah. saying, could you help us with this project or whatever? And a lot of them were commercial projects, surprisingly, but, uh, you know, um, a design showroom, a church and things like that. But um, I, I felt like I, I had gained enough skills because to me, design and architecture have always been so intuitive that I wasn't intimidated mm -hmm. by the mm -hmm. fact that I was moving from residential into commercial um, projects. And then um, life just took off from there. So, you know, fast forward many years past the journalism career and COVID hit and nobody was working and a random conversation led to HGTV within a matter of days. Just like that. Isn't that a yeah. weird, like, I love the fact that, you know, your dad was just, he was the man, he was like doing it with his hands, but not just yeah. that, that he was engaged in all the cultures he went to and he brought yes. that back and broadened your horizons, you know, without you traveling to them, you know, all those things. And then because he loved the craft, he would have been looking at the details and the nuances as well. So you're probably daddy's daughter an awful lot with that. I'm oh, guessing. my goodness. Details, details, details. You better believe it, especially when you're a military man. If that button's not shining just the way it needs to be shining. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. For me, you know, that's part of, I think, my strength as a designer. When I walk in a room, I'm seeing details that I just Others I'm not see. looking for them. I'm, yeah. It's just my that's the way my eye has always been trained. Um, that detail matters and it needs to be perfect. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? So were you one of those kids that were like, uh, you know, fairly uptight about everything being in its right place? Or were you a messy kid? Like what kind of genre were you as a kid? Um, because you could see it regardless. It's whether you choose to do something about it, right. I guess. Right. You know, it's funny. Um, I would say even as a child, for some reason, and I don't know where this part came in, I was a minimalist. Oh. I should have like my parents should have been so happy. So for Christmas, I would research <laughs> all the toys and gifts and and I would come up with the one I wanted. I, every Christmas, I only wanted one thing, just one. And I would have researched. I'm like, I want that skateboard. It has to be this color. And, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like the wheels will be this. It's this, right. it's this, it's this brand. Yeah. Right, exactly. But my parents were like, that's not a Christmas. You know, kids have to have lots of toys and you have to have packages to open. And so they'd get me the, all this stuff and I would be in tears. I'd because be like, I don't want all this stuff. I don't know what to do with all this stuff. I want one. I want my one Barbie. Her name is Dusty. <laughs> Anybody need other Barbies besides Dusty? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Isn't that also, you know, that minimalist streak. Uh, I was just born with it. How cool is that? Like, because we, we live in a world of consumption and yes. um, well, we live in a Western world of consumption. How can I have more? How can I consume more? And it's not that it's um, necessarily, um, I was going to say, born into us. It's it's part of how our whole thing works, you know, abundance of um, having stuff, you know, and, and why can't I have everything? Why can't I have everything, you know, kind of thing. And then there's need, you know, and you go, um, I'm thinking back to your Habitat for Humanity there, where there's need. And first of all, you know, you satisfy need. But when at, there's a point when we have this, I would say greed, but it's it's not that it's greed with intent of greediness. It's it's just we have so much more than we need. Yes. And in doing that, 
um, we tend to amass these, you know, stuff. And like you say, if you if you're happy with one Barbie, wow. And only your parents would be the ones feeling guilty because they don't. <laughs> surely we can give her more. Yeah. Right. Right. Because they could at that point when with my older sisters, they couldn't. So I get their point of part of it, too. But I will say, you know, there is so much cultural pressure, especially if you live in, a, in a, an affluent city like Los Angeles mm -hmm. or, you know, your cities or mm -hmm. you know New York or something. And so when I um, got ready to make a move this year, I, I've always been fascinated with the idea of tiny house living. You know, there's that huge tiny house movement. Yeah. Uh, and but I thought, could I do that? Man, that's like. I don't know, like, even though I'm, you know, still have my minimalist tendencies and part of me, I will admit was the idea of, well, I'm not really going to be able to impress people if I just have a tiny house. Right. And so I was finding that I was responding to the pressure in where I live because all the houses, everybody is, it's big, it's, you know, multi-million dollar homes um, mm -hmm. at the beach. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, I happened to run across this tiny house and something in my gut said, yeah, do it. And I had never downsized before, you know, especially as an apartment dweller, you're always trying to upsize until yeah. you get that big house. Yeah. So the idea of being an apartment dweller who's going to downsize, um, I, I did have a panic attack at one point, I admit. Oh, it's like moving to France, you know, like, oh, I moved to Paris. All right. So what did you do with all your stuff? Well, I carried it up six flights of stairs, you know, like, because <laughs> uh -huh. that's, you know, in small spaces, New York City small spaces you know? small like you said there is this pressure that whether we want to give into it or not you feel it and i don't deny it um yeah. you know in our business obviously the the materialism and the consumerism um it's it's uh it's discouraging sometimes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because i think that's also what's contributing to people not being fully happy in their homes they're not designing for themselves they're designing for what everybody else is going to think and yeah yeah that's part of what i'm trying to change Oh, I've got a lovely one I want to ask you about that. I've got just, this is my favorite conversation, is um, the butler's pantry. And I, I like, I love this. Uh, I've got the, there's two of these, the walk-in robe and the butler's pantry. Now, you, if you downsize to a tiny house, you do not have a butler's pantry. I do not. I'm building out my own pantry in a nook that holds the water heater. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So then I say, my next question is, I say, so, there's somebody I haven't met and they'll look at me because I think this journey should be fun. And they'll look at me and I'll go, the butler, like this. And they'll go, we don't have a butler or whatever. And I'll go, so which one of you is the butler? Because one of you is going to be in that butler's pantry while the rest of them are going to be sitting outside on that big fancy island bench drinking wine. So who's going to take the butler's role out of you guys? And I'm playing around. but. Right. In it, it's kind of that that thing of there's all this floor space. We've got a supermarket that will be less than 10 minutes drive. Um, the butler's pantry is not really. It's just a tidy space or a space to leave stuff out that you don't want to put away constantly. It's a space to have more. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have it. I'm just like it's just this kind of fun thing. When, when the budget's getting pushed, I go, you know, that butler, I don't know, he's an expert. <laughs> He's expensive. He's expensive. I and love the, the way that you're able to translate to your clients in a fun way. I need to work on that. I'm usually the journalist in me is like, no, 
<laughs> I think I need to learn more from you. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm constantly having to apologize because I'm like, let me explain. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I um, I think I'm so. Uh, I I really want to be conflict adverse with it, and so I go. How do we have fun? And also, how do I keep the journey going? And and you know, before we started, how I was saying this thing is, is we're going to do this house or we're going to do whatever this project is. And how do we make this chapter fun? Because it's the the planning of it's the first chapter of where we're going to get to the last chapter will be you guys living into the your golden years or whatever it is in this place or doing whatever you choose to do with it, which will have I'll have no bearing on. But I will have had a bearing on everything that's going to happen whilst you're in this home. Yeah. Whether- yeah and I love talking about it's a lot of it is the prioritization of the way I look at it is where I want my clients lives to go where am I hearing or observing them saying this is what we always wanted and and they may not even necessarily be able to express it and you know like in one of the shows that we did we had a very narrow dining area but I kept hearing her talk about family over and over and how they missed having family holidays and I thought you know what we're going to lose our island stools we're going to lose our storage but we need to put a really big dining table in here and we need to put a nook in here in the dining room where you can just sit with your kids and read them a story on your lap or something. And I know that doesn't normally go in a dining room, but we got no place else to put the way that you actually live. And I, the best message I ever received was after it was all done. Um, one of the daughters, she said, the laughter is back around the table. Oh, wow. This is wow. how our family was Golden. meant to live. Golden. Golden. That's heartfelt. That's that that's creating community within a family and often big houses lose that as well everybody yeah. has their space in their zone and nobody actually has to cross over i think of um i think it was steve jobs when he was having the pixar building designed i think it was pixar and i should do my research because i've told this story before but he um he put bathrooms only on two places or something, two main places, and he made it so that you had to transition from one spot to another to get to these bathroom areas. And his reasoning was was that the, the conversation that happens away from the formal email desk, whatever, is the magic that makes the glue of a company work. And that meant that you and I would bump into each other because our paths would cross at some that. point and mm-hmm. i go what a beautiful design insight that he's forcing community and like you just said with that table you go what not you didn't force the community but you enabled the community and in enabling the community then that community grew out of it whereas you could have got uptight and gone it's got to be like this it's got to be like this it's got to be like this because that would have been sensibility but not right. it wouldn't have enabled it you know? right right And I think that's um, what I try to give my clients is that permission to, yes, I think the rules are really important. You have to know the rules Uh of both architecture and design, but once you do then break them, when it makes sense to break them, don't get stuck in this rigid pattern because then your home feels rigid. It's not for you, it is for the rules. (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, part the part of me, I think the rebel. Yeah, I admit it. I was the rebellious kid. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Does that come across? (laughs) Oh, 
No, no, I'm sure it will reveal itself as we carry on. I'm sure it's going to pop out. Yeah, because people are usually like, "Oh, you seem so nice," but then, whoa! So, so deliberate and determined and driven, and um, you know, like I think that the beautiful thing with that is, is that you are you, you. But what you do is, is you take your, you know, your rebel girl to that place where it's like, how do I be more and deliver more and give more? How do I do? You know, how do I take those skills and, and deliver on a wider platform, you know? And that's not for everybody, but it certainly is for you. It certainly makes the difference for you. Oh, and I and just to have so much fun, like when I took the tiny house, the reason I took it. And, I've and got it to was ask some more questions yeah. about this tiny house. Um, yes, I would love that. It, I saw the potential to be able to do so much work. And I thought, I'm not going to tell the landlord, but I have this vision for this space. And that's one of the things. Usually I walk in a place and somehow I just see it. And I knew that this place had been designed in many cases all completely wrong. And it was just this gem waiting for the right touch. And yes, it was going to take some construction type of stuff you don't normally sure. do in a rental, but you know, I, I had my tools. <laughs> yeah. And you still live in it. So yeah, yeah. it's like, and, well, the first time my landlord came and saw it, he looked around he said, where's all my stuff? You know, I'd taken the shelving off. I had yeah. taken banisters off. I had taken all of the light switch plate covers down and replaced like where's all my stuff I said it's in the garage <laughs> yeah right I'm not parking in the garage I've got your stuff down there in fact there's enough to rent their garage out now can I take on a subtenant <laughs> but you know but the next thing was the reward again of what we do he said I had no idea this place could look like this yeah and there's the magic yeah. and then I he texted a little bit later he said but if you take anything else off could you at least let me know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, my daughter, my youngest daughter, so she's 12. She, um, her little thing at the moment is, is that we've been watching, you know, again, um, Tiny House Nation. And yeah, and she's just like, she is fascinated by the human interest stories of it. So she'll tell me about the, she's enjoying looking at what they're doing with it. But her thing that she keeps linking is, is, oh, yeah, well, this one, you know, this one's so-and-so and that this is what their background was and this is why they're doing it. And this is where the, this is, she's seeing the conflict in the story. So this is where, you know, that their mum doesn't think that they should be doing this. And, you know, but look at how cool this is. How nice is that? Like, this is really good. And, you know, that she's telling their story, just like the show is, but she's actually empathizing with their story and then going, this is how they're going to change what they're doing in life and change their lives by it. And I'm like, it's, I love that. Wow. Yeah. You've got some, someone that's going to be in the industry on your hands. It sounds well, like, you know, you were saying that's one of the things when you started and you, I said to you about the kid being a kid thing and you were saying minimalist. And I said, Oh, so were you messy or tidy? And you said, you know, you're a minimalist. And I've been going, okay, so she is just, uh, she is not a minimalist. She just keeps everything. She's got stuff everywhere, you know, and I go, <laughs> I go, we 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 keep minimalizing her, you know, just breaking it down so she doesn't collect as much stuff. Um, but all the things are sort of like project based. They're all things that she's working on, you know. She she'll do Barbie doll stuff. Well, she doesn't so much anymore. But when she was, she'd be like, "I need some scraps of fabric. I need this. I need this," because she's clothing them all. She's making the clothing for them. She's, you know, making little toothbrushes out of cardboard and matchsticks and stuff like that. You just go, she's very, very detailed. And I, I went, oh, that's, yeah. she's, she's a creative 
She's got that creative inventor. She's going to see something that doesn't work and she's going to create the thing that will work. Um, you know, because a lot of times I think we take things for granted that they work and they really aren't the best design, design. possible. But mm -hmm. that's, that's another thing I like to say. I say, you know, like, I was, I'm doing a thing at a school just recently, talking to them about their careers. And I said, so I want you to, first of all, get this concept. Everything that is designed is designed by one of two sets of things. One is his nature. And we'll call that that that's perfectly designed because the intricacies and the way it works and the way it happens is everything is intertwined. Everything touches. Doesn't matter how dis diverse or dispersed you think it might be. Everything touches in the nature's ecosphere. The other is, is it's all designed by us humans. Right. So everything that probably frustrates you is designed by us humans. So that's just a story of could we do better design? Are we being rigorous? Are we being, you know, where are we at in this journey? Um, because we all have experienced terrible design. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's part of why what keeps me more of a minimalist, I think sometimes you have to strip something down in order to actually see it. Um, you know, like in 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 my space, it, it you know, people say, oh, a tiny space, you're going to need so much storage. No, you don't necessarily need so much storage in a tiny space. You minimize your life to go with the tiny space if you can. And why I wanted to make that change is um, because of the pandemic, most of my my circle of friends left LA. You know, I used to have dinner parties for 20 every Thursday night. I had a massive, you know, living area. People would bring their camping chairs. It was awesome. So that fit that season of my oh, life. Cool. Yeah. But when I got the show and all of my friends left, um, a lot of times with these shows, you're not shooting in your hometown, especially if it's not, if it's LA, they don't like sure. to shoot in LA. So I knew I wasn't going to be here probably six and nine months of the year. So I said, I just need really, I need a base. And it's a chance for me to kind of get back to who I am. It doesn't mean I, I'm not going to be entertaining as much. Heck yes. But that means that's their people are gone. They're not here anyway. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I, you know. so it, was, it was a sign of the rebuilding that I needed to start. Like my life is going to look different in this season and to be in a tiny space suited the growth and it actually suited the growth which yeah. it seems counterintuitive oh yeah but it also means that's that piece of and we touched on this before it's that piece of baggage that you've put down and when i say yeah. baggage not necessarily negative yeah. baggage it's like just you've, you've you've taken that load off and you've mm -hmm. you've put that load over there and then you're going okay i've got a new chapter i'm light i'm free i've got i'm not going to take up space where i'm not going to be you know, like you could go, oh, I'm going to have a big house here. You know, I'm going to have, you know, however many thousand square foot. Um, and it's going to sit empty, like you said, for six, nine months of the year. It would just be dropping in, dropping out. You'd be paying somebody to clean it. It would be maintained, you know. Um, and really, all those resources could be used by somebody else. Because in this, in this chapter, you don't need big. In this chapter, you need flexibility in, out, make things happen. You know, like it's like, it makes sense to me. Most people. I love the way you express that. <laughs> wow. I couldn't have said it any better. So what you just said, I just said all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess also with your detail orientation and also going back to that, you know, crime investigation type thing, you can see what matters. Most people mm -hmm. probably can't see what matters. They can see a lot of stuff and they can't actually pinpoint those pieces. So tell me a bit about being a, a an investigative reporter. 
And uh, oh, I guess you haven't said you must that have some clever yourself. stories. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, along with, you know, design, I, growing up, I always, you know, I, I mentioned I was an introvert. I kind of created my own worlds. I was like your daughter. I was always making stuff for the one doll, though, not the multitude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's got a family. Yeah. You know, she had to have a really nice bed that I could make out of cardboard and pieces, you know. Um, but um, that being said, it I, so I was always creating stories because I was a kid that, especially as a military family, we moved a lot. You didn't have the circle of friends. You just naturally had a lot of time alone. And stories were, were where, I, where I found um, my imagination or just, you know, being able to read a ton of books. So story was always very important to me. And when I um, got ready to go uh, to school, um, I really didn't have any sense of direction. I was really definitely kind of kind of a lost kid. Um, for I think because I was probably meant to be design doing design, but it was not something that was taken seriously, unfortunately, in military family. You know, it's like you're gonna be a what? <laughs> maybe maybe not purposeful enough. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yet your dad, your dad was actually the seed that made it kind of be there as well. He developed that seed. He, he wanted, wanted me to it. be an engineer. He wanted oh, me to be an okay. engineer. <laughs> Take it a little more seriously, would you please, Shay? <laughs> I, and I'm not. I'm like, no, that's not not going to work. He did get his. I, I, if it was up to me, I wasn't even going to college. Like, I literally left high school after as soon as I could. I'm like, yeah. I'm done, Dad. I said, if I work full time, do I have to go to school anymore? And he originally said no, thinking I think that I wouldn't do it. I went out and got myself a full time job, you know. And I'm like, I'm done with school. Um, and then he came back and he broke our deal and he said, you're going to college. I said, Dad, I'm not going to college. That was our deal was if I work full time, I didn't have to go to school anymore. Um, long story short, he was definitely right because I think I would have been really lost um, had I not gone to college. And that was where I started writing a lot more um, and ended up meeting someone from a university that specializes in broadcast journalism. Oh, and wow. it's a, you know, some of a school I've always heard of and had known of because it, you know, was in the same state, um, but it was known for being so impossible. They only accepted eight to 10 students a term in the broadcast program. And I'm like, I can't get in there, <laughs> you know, yeah, but long right. before they did. And I found that um, telling stories with pictures mm -hmm. was, um, I, I, it, it, there was just that natural gift, that creative ability to see the story through pictures and to be able to tell it. And that led me to, you know, getting a job before I ever finished school. You know, the professor said, I, I've got this, you know, new station um, out in Illinois that needs a, a reporter and I'll recommend you if, you know, if you're ready. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I, you know, like you most like they die to get in, you know, on camera and in news. And so, yeah, so I took it. And um, within a matter of, you know, weeks, you know, crime is obviously, unfortunately, wherever you live, there's, there's going to be crime. Mm -hmm. And I was out covering um, some stories one day and uh, our crime reporter was gone. And so they sent me and it was a court case. And it was two brothers that were accused of murdering another kid in a drive-by. And the argument was that the bullet ricocheted off the highway. They didn't mean to kill the other kid. Well, the way I told the story, um, I very much empathize with these brothers because this is a mom going to lose both of her kids oh, to prison. They're just yeah. boys. They really yeah. were like 16 and 18, but they were being charged as adults. And so I said, that's the angle I'm going to take the story. Anybody else can tell the facts. I mean, we got here's the yeah. facts of what happened before today. Um, and I came back and I posted this story and something dramatic had happened in the courtroom, which helped it that day. And my news director took one look at it. And he said, you're our new crime reporter. Wow. He said, instinct for a story uh -huh. that actually takes it and elevates it above. And so I think that is how I look at my design and how I look at my clients now is, yes, you're telling me a story about you, but I'm hearing something a little bit more. 
Yeah. Let's take your life through your home to the next chapter and the next chapter and the next chapter. There's a way to do that through design. And you and I both know that is that we're actually almost visionaries for them. We're visionaries looking down the road and creating that pathway that, that maybe they've never known how to step on them, uh, step into for themselves. And that's what I really tried to do on our TV show was sit down. And these were families that now they had some resources. Our families were not wealthy on our show at all. Yeah. And they were families that had run into hard times, but the because of the money that they had saved and the money that the HGTV was investing, it actually created a little bit of a pool of money that they might never have had. And I, my goal was to say, okay, this is how you've always lived, but we can we have this opportunity to take your family to a place that maybe you never dreamed you were going to go. Um, and that, like in one case, I was listening to the wife talk about what she wanted, and. Um, you know, that they hadn't been able to use their living room because it had been flooded or something had happened to it. I can't remember off the top of my head. But as I'm listening to her and her husband talk, I just kept seeing a vision in my own mind of a young girl sitting in their living room, just sobbing her heart out. And I thought, what is that? And as I sat with it myself, I realized this is a family that their home is meant to be a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. Their place is meant to be where uh, somebody in distress can come and get a mama's heart. You know, that's so yeah. much of what's in our culture. And this is not maybe how they've seen themselves because they've been out working in the community. But this, and I, and as we sat down, I said, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it. This is what I'm seeing. And I just explained it. And I, 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 I knew how the seating, I could see the seating and the colors and very soft. It was almost like the room hugs you. Yeah, right. So it is, yeah, it, it it's um got that intimacy that wraps around you, but yeah. it's it's yeah. the comforter as opposed yeah. to yeah. just being a grand or whatever. If, you know, anybody could make it beautiful. I can yeah. make it beautiful, but uh, to give it purpose. So so letting that room bring them into that purpose. And the biggest compliment for me was on the day that we did that reveal. Um, you know, just nobody would leave the room. <laughs> that room. <laughs> right. They kept, you know, trying to get us to move on to a different space and nobody would leave it. And so I finally just sat down too. because I'm like, wow, we've done it. <laughs> this, this, Well, isn't that a fascinating journey? Like, I love that, you know, taking the emotion and um, I want to, I want to talk to you about this, taking the emotion that a space um, needs to deliver to the occupant and, being able to form that emotion into the flow of the room, but also into the um, orientation and the the way it's decorated, everything right down to the detail. And but taking their, you know, you you saw a vision of what their family was looking for, and maybe just intuited that from them. Um, from being around them, being in their space and and knowing them, you know, listening to the details of their life. And you intuit that down and then you go, okay, so this room's going to hug. This room's going to hug. And, and I imagine the conversation with them, you get those um, journeys that they tell you about that you go, this is, this is how I'm going to interpret that journey. This is how I'm going to put it there. And this is how I see the future of that journey. Um, because that future vision, everything that I suppose we do as designers is planning the future. It's not planning the past. We just learn from the past, but we plan the future constantly. And with that planning of the future, we get these that I think that's the genius of design is planning mm-hmm. the future. 
Yeah, it really is. And, and the, the only drawback to it is I end up falling in love with my clients because I'm, 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 I'm like, I, I'm on this. I'm so on this journey with you because we are it's like seeing, you know, that worm become a butterfly or whatever, a caterpillar, yeah. I guess. And 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 you get to to enable that, I think, is the word you use. It's very um, it's so rewarding. And, and there's there's just a, such a joy to me for it. And one in another case on our show, um, the woman uh, was. Uh, had been through, like I said, hard circumstances. She'd had a heart attack at, during the time she was trying to make her home handicap friendly for her own mom and had to stop the work. And the and anyway, it was a, a lot of things going on emotionally. And every time I would show up or something, I would say, oh, you know, she would be like, how's the drive from the beach? You know, because I, I live here at the yeah. coast and and this was a home that was quite far inland. And I thought, oh, that's an unusual question. I wonder why she always asked me how the beach is. And one day it dawned on me, she wants to be at the beach. <laughs> and I said to her, I, I said, is there something about, and I kept seeing lots of blues in the space and everything that wasn't the direction we were heading. Yeah, right. And you know, you don't give a coastal flavor to something inland that's in yeah. the desert. It's a desert. And I'm like, oh yeah, you do. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and she said, and finally she said, you know, I've always dreamed of living at the ocean. I said, well, why don't we bring the ocean here? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's the feel, the relaxation. And I said, so her life, because her life, you know, a lot of times I, I find clients are in a transition, but they're not recognizing the actual, the value of that transition. And now her life was changing because of her heart attack. She needed to slow it down. She needed a place of rest. She needed that beach retreat. And how can we make it feel it without being, um, you know, a stereotype or a kitsch, you know, kind of. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want three starfish on no. the wall and a no. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. And so it was very subtle. Let's allude to it in the way that the space feels. And like you said, the way that it flows. I said, you know, we need to change um, the the location of the doors for your bathroom. We're going to turn it into an ensuite. She said, but how are people going to get into the bathroom? I said, you've got two more in the house. <laughs> why do they need? Why, why do they need this one? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I said, it's very hard for you to have your own sense of space and the rest. If you need to retreat somewhere while the family's out there because you're, you know, know your your heart is tired you need to retreat and you need to be able to go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah exactly you need to refresh you need to have that space yeah. this is something yeah. that in the conversation that i find just gets missed so often is what what are people's habits in retreating so like for instance mine is i get in my car and i'll drive somewhere that's a retreat for me i love driving um we don't have much traffic where I live, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> like in LA, you'd be gone for a month. I'm up the coast, though. I'll head. I'm the, like you. I, I'll head up the coast. Yeah, exactly. So I do that, and I'll take a surfboard and I'll go surfing. I don't care whether I surf with others or whether I surf on my own. Um, I'm extroverted, so I'll always meet somebody if I choose to. Um, but yeah, I go. That's my retreat. I just get out. You know, like I just I, I run away is my retreat. I run away from all the responsibilities of the home and stuff and and just go i'll be gone for a few hours and then i come back and i'm like yeah i've got this again um but my wife what doesn't want to leave the house she actually wants to retreat at home so she will go to our bedroom often and she will do yoga because it's we've got a reasonably large bedroom not ridiculously but reasonably large she can do some yoga in there she can sit and meditate in there. We've got a beautiful view from our bedroom. So she can use that space as her retreat. But she will close the door. She doesn't want anybody else in her retreat. That's her refresh space, you know. Um, and it took me a while to get that this is, that's actually, if I don't give her that, I get something else, you know. 
<laughs> we'll say no more. <laughs> but that that thing and then looking for that for clients as well is really critical is what's their habits? How do they do it? And often men will go to a space, um, but women want to stay in their, in their home and, that, and that's really polarizing in the sexes. But I think that it happens more often in my clients than not that I will find that men will be, you know, that that they'll go to somewhere they'll go and do something they're going to do an activity that takes them yeah, out of yeah, the space mm-hmm. where women yeah. so often don't mm-hmm. or you know i think you know and and it isn't i don't think sexist i think it just is kind of maybe wired in us and yeah. in, in our in our dna as well you know i just am doing a home right now and i we needed to do so much work in the home but i kept hearing the man first or i don't even know how he was expressing it but you know he would be going to the gym and and wanting, you know, we were going to put a gym in the house anyway, but I, something said, I, I need to give him that first before we yeah, do right. anything else, um, because he wasn't going to be able to be on board with everything else. It felt like until he knew he could have that place that he was his to escape to. Isn't that and, interesting? That's fascinating. And I'm I love so that. Glad that I, Cause I would not normally start a home design with a gym. That was yeah. probably one of the last things I would start with. I would start with the kitchen, the living room, the uh-huh. bedrooms, obviously. The living spaces is what I would normally start with, but something said no. If, and it, I'm so glad that we did it this way. Yeah, because it allowed him the freedom to know that that box was checked and then yes. he could engage in the rest of the boxes. But if yeah. you don't check that one, I, I, yeah. can't, I can't move. <laughs> I can't move. I don't know where yeah. I'm going because I don't know exactly. that I'm going to have my gym. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, tell me about um, going from investigative reporter to HGTV and the shows that you've worked with. Tell me about that. Um, you know, what happened? You, you were on the news one day and somebody yeah. said, can you decorate my house on TV for me as well? Uh, no, what happened? <laughs> like, you know, It's kind of an interesting journey. I think um, I, I don't think that I realized the toll that um, heavy duty crime was taking on me emotionally. You pretty much shut down, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in that environment and um, and I knew that I, that was the case for me. Um, and when I moved to California, it's been some time. I thought, okay, well, I'm still going to stay in investigative reporting. But I had an opportunity to come to LA that was unexpected. I thought it was just going to be for a summer. A friend was coming down here for the summer. I thought that'll give me the space to kind of figure out what I'm going to do. I'm going to just take three months, go live at the beach with her, um, and hang out. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had never even heard of this place called Santa Monica. I'm like, I don't know, never. So we took this apartment sight unseen. You know, it was the only place that would allow us with a dog. And I didn't even have a job. And so they, you know, but I thought. <laughs> oh, sure. Give her the place. Yeah. Three, three months at the beach. Uh, and it turned out, obviously, to be a much different journey. And I realized, you know, people are interested in investigative journalism in L.A. Um, that just wasn't going to be the case. And I took a story to my producer at the time. I, I did get a, a job that, where I was working um, in journalism again. And I said, hey, I've got this lead on a provi- someone who's providing a couple of pharmacies that are providing prescription pain medicines all you- with false falsified prescriptions knowingly. I'm like, if we can go in with hidden cameras, we can put these guys out of business. We'll save a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. And my producer said to me, and I, this was the, cha- the point that changed me forever. He said, we can't do that story. And I said, well, I've got all of the evidence. I, I actually have, you know, had been. Yeah, this is a great expose. Right. Here we go. Right, yeah. right. And, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, he said, we'll lose too many advertisers. 
around that kind of story because the pharmaceuticals won't advertise around that kind of story. And I thought, so we could save lives, but we won't because we may lose too much in advertising. And that's just what journalism, unfortunately, has become. It sells out to the highest advertiser. And that's when I said, you know, and this goes back to, I think, my military and my upbringing. There was I, I, I my ethics couldn't go there. Um, I need to tell the story as the story is. I don't want to make it up. I don't want to dumb it down. Um, I don't want to add something to it that wasn't there. And so I knew um, I I wasn't going to be able to be a journalist if I was going to stay in California. And, um, you know, it took a while of like just horrible survival jobs (laughs) before I met someone uh, because I'd never done anything else. I'm I'm, I'm amazed. I'm going because, you know, one one road is, is you're actually working for the advertiser the other road is as you're telling the truth yeah and, those and, and, and it didn't that. you couldn't you couldn't swallow couldn't working for the advertiser yeah. and they wouldn't let you tell the truth so you're you're in no man's land I, yeah it, it felt like it it really did I was um I didn't know what I would do with the rest of my life and I ended up uh, watching a tv show and on it there was this woman that was helping this football player uh, become a host her name was Marky Costello and she was teaching this football player how to transition from football into tv hosting and I thought oh wow maybe I can go from reporting to tv hosting because I still have all the on-camera skills I still know how to read a teleprompter all those skills are there I just need to get the newscaster delivery out of me but everybody up until then had been like you sound too much like a newscaster we can't use you oh right and that would be that directness that would be right. that and also, yeah. you know, as news directors we have as a as people in broadcasting you know we have a very distinct cadence in the news tonight we ha- you know that's this yeah this, right I don't this. And I figured out where it comes from. It's because you've got someone talking in your earpiece. You're also observing what's going on around you if you're out on a live shot. And so it's almost like a mechanical type of delivery because you're having to take in so much while you're trying to deliver the story. So there's not a whole lot of emotional inflection there. And so I realized that's where it was coming from. And I was going to have to figure out how to release emotion if I was going to become a TV host. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is brutal this transition but she was able to help me and then during uh, but then everything shut down for COVID I still hadn't really had a big break in TV hosting or anything and I thought well I've learned so much I'm just gonna um, I do run a group called Hosts in LA and I help people build their careers and I thought I can during the pandemic I'll just go on you know Zoom and I'll just you know start teaching and I'll start sharing and we'll start having experts come in and help people because one day this you know things are going to open up it's going to change yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in the midst of that, I was interviewing one of these experts. Her name is Barbara Barna Abel. She's a media expert. She teaches people how to um, be in media, how to get media, all kinds of different things. Um, and I just, you know, was so that's why I was going to be talking to her for a video. And she was running late. And I said something like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I needed to get cleaned up because I was just, I can't even remember what I was doing, something with power tools. And she, <laughs> Gee, and she would been your dad. Right. Well, she put the pieces, help me put it. She said, Shay, why are you not doing something with that as a host? And I'm thinking, because that's just what I do. That's not like a life, <laughs> you know? And and she's yeah. like, no, that's a marketable skill. That She's like, I didn't even know that about you. That's nowhere on your resume. And I'm like, what, what do I write? Like knows how to use power tools? <laughs> And can ride a horse, average ability. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. And literally within a day or two in that group that I run, Host in LA, we also get casting directors who are looking for very specific uh-huh. people. 
And there was somebody, a casting director had posted, we're looking for a female who knows how to use power tools. This is no lie. Um, (laughs) And possibly has her contractor's license. Um, And I was like, what? (laughs) Because somebody had tagged my name to it. Who knows me? They're like, Shay, this is you. Sounds like you. But I had no, you know, in this industry, we need what's called a reel, you know, a video. Show reel. Yeah. Didn't have any of that because I hadn't been doing it. Um, so I just, you know, brushed it off thinking, you know, it's not my, that's not for me. It's not my time or whatever. And, but when I got home that night, I was looking at my phone and and during COVID I had been, you know, like sending videos of stuff I was doing to my family or to my house or to their houses. And <laughs> it I'm was like, a show reel. <laughs> I, I'm like, I can create a reel from this. I can do it. I've got a movie. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. I, that's what I said. And I'll just tell my story. Um, be, you know, that's the best I can do. And literally the next day after I sub- I submitted, it got in too late, but I thought I'm still yep. going to send it, you know, because I didn't get them, you know, didn't strike me to do it until it was already after hours. So by the time I got it in, it was close to midnight. And I thought, you know, maybe they'll see it. Maybe they'll see something there. And I got a call the next day and uh, it was from, you know, this casting director. And she said, Shay, you know, we got your stuff. Um, but it was late. And I said, I know. She said, but we loved it. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, so uh, the deadline we was already passed. So we had to make a decision to send it with our finalists. And we did. <laughs> I love it. We send it late. And instead of and it, it ending up in the cutting room yeah. floor, it ends they, up going with the finalists that they'd chosen the already. And the um, castings don't often say who the job is for. Uh-huh. And she said, mm-hmm. and she said, and this is for HGTV. And that's when I went, Oh crap! Wow. This is big time. <laughs> this is not a little local show, yeah. you know. This is this is, this is the big time. time, yeah. And and then it gets better though because she said she said oh and so I'm thinking you know I got to jump for you know excitement yep. you know and she said oh no we've already heard back and I I'm like she said you're their choice. Oh fantastic, fantastic! So I've never met anybody. I've never spoken to anybody and I got the offer based on that reel. And also because they were looking for basically a needle in a haystack, you know, I'm just going to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was a mm-hmm. you know, ideal seller who could do power tools and new design who maybe had literally, she said they were looking for somebody that knew the habitat for humanity model because our show was going to have some elements of that who maybe had a military co- connection. It was so bizarre. It was All so, right. so, th- so they were hunting a unicorn, but they found they, one. They've been looking for a year and a half. For my role. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, I love that. So it, it was just, you know, so it was, it was amazing. Um, it was one of those where like, you don't see how your life is shaping, you know, maybe the pieces seem disjointed at times, but it's actually building to this thing that is yeah. just the place yeah. that you were to it, be. It's an accumulation of your skills yeah. right back from yes. your dad, exactly. you know, exactly. exposing you to it. And then that's just the D in your DNA and it's just keeps building, building, building. And then you get to do that. So tell me with that, what's next? What 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 have you what are you doing with television and production and media next? Um, you know, tell us the story. You know, well, frankly, I will say I didn't need just a rest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it, people understand how long the days are. When I, you're I was doing about it. to say that as well. People don't realize that, you know, it's a six day a week business. It's um from sun up to sundown or later. Much um, later when you're yeah. the designer and it was, you know, COVID. So I had to do all, you know, driving to anywhere I could to get materials and supplies that were in stock. And um, so I, I just needed a, a moment to breathe and say, is this what I really want to do, to be honest with you? Most uh-huh. people are like, 
she talking about? <laughs> she was like, <laughs> you know, and one of the hosts, uh, Tariqa Musa, will say, you know, it's a one in a million chance to get an HGTV show. So people are like, and it's not that I wasn't grateful. It's just, I think we talked about this at the top. I am very much an introvert. Uh-huh. I'm an extreme introvert and I'm very happy in, you know, just the life that I, I'm building. And I can't say that I need television to make me any happier. Yeah. And with television, you're giving away so much of yourself. And to be honest with you, I didn't know that I was ready to give away that much of my life. Mm. Uh, mm. And, uh, and I thought if, because I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be all in. Yeah. I'm not, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. I can't imagine you doing anything and not being all in. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, that that's part of the passion though. If yeah. you would, if yeah. you were asked to be the caretaker, you'd be like, huh? Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't caretake it. I've got to create, I've got to create. Yeah. I've, and when I'm, yeah. when I step over the threshold, I'm here, I'm here and you're going to get all of it. You know, you're going to get it's all a little it. scary at times because now you're putting the thing, your baby out there for the world to judge. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Because, because and, of the way and judge they, they will. And oh my God. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. But a lot of times very validly, you know, I thought I loved answering the viewer questions. They would have legit questions yeah. because in our show, we didn't answer a lot of the design questions. That wasn't the focus of the show. Like I said, I was hired last. They had already had the focus of the show and it wasn't revolving around design necessarily this show. Right. Um, and so sometimes things would just appear and people would like, wait, why did that just appear? <laughs> or there's no fridge in that. The biggest question was one of the houses we did, there was no refrigerator in the kitchen. Uh, and that's because it was right behind this door to the pantry because we opened up the kitchen and there was another one right outside the dining room so there was actually two but people that we never said that and so it's like no we did not do a kitchen with a refrigerator with a fridge <laughs> yeah it's, it's a really interesting thing that like I've been asked a number of times in, in the last like 12 18 months for a no refrigerator actually in the kitchen but just right at the start of a pantry um <laughs> And then it might that, be our show, maybe I'll take credit for it. <laughs> yeah, may, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it because to you. Because there's such massive appliances that are not pretty, yeah. um, and you know, and and you and most people can, you know, take a step or two to get to the refrigerator. So, um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's something that um, I I also realized um, if I'm going to do it. I want it to be shows that I can be passionate about the process of. Uh-huh. I don't want it to be, I'm doing this show to be on TV and because I'm a designer and because I can, and you're going to end up with a pretty reveal at the end of it. Hmm. That's, you know, that's not really that satisfying to me. And so I had to sit down and take a minute and say, okay, what kind of show? And HGTV did ask me, what kind of show would you want to do? <laughs> so again, I think we have, or at least I do sometimes a blind spot to yeah, the thing and sometimes you just need somebody, that barber or that Lauren or that Marky to say, hey, I'm hearing, or like I do for my clients, I'm You're, hearing you mm. see this. Mm. Maybe that's the path we go on. And so, um, yeah, so that just came to me just now that, you know, I've needed that. In a, on uh, a that you, need, you need somebody to be able to give you the perspective from outside of you, um, just like everybody else does. And yeah. you can probably get a lot closer than most people. But that little piece of, of surrounding yourself with the right people in life who are invested in your journey as well, just like you are when you go and you're de- designing for a client, you're invested in their journey. It's not your journey, it's their journey. And you move into that space. And then with that, being able to hear the incoming and like you say, those you've got the right people around you. So when they say something, they're actually looking for your nuances as well. And then that, I love that. It's like 
boom, there, there, there's an opportunity, there's an opportunity, there's an opportunity. And as you say, that just parts of your life. But you live a passionate life. So it's not surprising that you would have these kind of threads that are running there. I yeah. like and that. you can see why, I mean, there's, it feels like a lot of vulnerability to share uh -huh. that, the mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there is so much emotionally invested. I didn't just get to those passions. There's a lot of pain and sacrifice and waiting that happened in between there. Yeah. Um, a lot of listening to Brene Brown. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A lot of tears, you know, and in fact, I was telling somebody something, he said, that should be the name of your biography. I do my crying in the morning. Cause he said to me, he said, how are you handling something I was going through? I said, I do my yeah. crying in the morning oh. and then I'm, I'm, I'm available the rest of the day. Yeah. I get so. that done. But also that other thing there with that, that is part of, um, I think, your ability to compartmentalize your life. You know, you've got private life, you've got, um, which which spills into that introverted part, you know, like you've got to hold on to enough of Shay so that Shay is, is okay. And then you've got your public life, which is a big part of Shay that isn't a put on. It's a big part of Shay. It's like, oh, right, she is. And... <laughs> then so you're you're giving that away you're giving that away constantly and so mm -hmm. that doing your you know being the inner you needs the space and if it's mm -hmm. the mornings it's the mornings you need to get up earlier like i do <laughs> <laughs> oh no just have less stuff yeah just have less <laughs> well, stuff. that's part of it i'm gonna it, it. <laughs> yeah 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 no i'm i'm set you know and i've been preparing for the next phase, which I think is going to be big, just because, um, you know, if you again, if you listen to the signs, you listen to the people around you, uh -huh. um, the people who have been coming into my life, like one of them, my co-creator on one of the shows that we're pitching, we already got an, an, our first offer on. She's won two Emmys already. Wow. Um, nice. You know, she's been doing this for 15 years and she's, you know, she's like, but we were talking one night and I thought I was just helping her get to where she wanted with the show. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're, <laughs> coming said, with. <laughs> you're coming yeah, with. You're coming with. You know, it just came, started coming together and we started pitching it. And I, the very, the second person that we sent it to said, I want this. I want, I want to help you develop this um, show. And she said, I've been doing this 15 years. I've never had anything happen this fast. And I've never um, been able to get to this point. And so I think, you know, when I look at, okay, here's another maybe HGTV moment where it's like the call comes, are you ready? Have you been preparing? Um, and for me, a lot of it is just, just preparing emotionally and saying, yeah, I'm going to lose control of my own life to some degree but what i'm going to be able to give out um is is worth it you know and and it's not that easy people think oh it's so easy you're going to be famous you're going to have all this money and i'm going to tell you you do first season of a show you will probably lose money <laughs> mm -hmm. um if you do get famous i don't know how you did it <laughs> oh, well there's no overnight sensations that's the yeah. thing like the, you know there's only you know 15 20 years of work to become an overnight sensation and that's if yeah. you're lucky because most mm -hmm. people do the 15, 20 years of work and then they do another 15, 20 years of work and they do another 15, 20 years of work and they still don't get seen for it necessarily. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I feel very fortunate. I feel very oh. fortunate. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it's I hope that it's inspiring to especially like the people in my group that are host who are like, wow, she didn't just talk the talk. 
she actually is doing it. And, um, and so I do want to inspire, especially women. Like I love what we do. I'm right. You know, I, I love being on site. I love the dirt. I love the noise. I love the construction. You know, like I was waiting the other day for, uh, we had built, you know, this part of the house and, you know, there was some cracks in, in the, in the drywall and there uh -huh. was some, um, you know, things that needed to be taken care of. And I'm like, I'm not waiting on them to come back. I'm <laughs> just going to get it done. I'm going to do it. I'm like, I'm getting on my ladder. I'm bringing my tools. And I just, I'm like, I said to my, you know, and I normally don't want necessarily want my clients to see that part of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want them to have the fantasy of the grand designer. Yeah. <laughs> not the one, not, not the one who turns you know, up with a DeWalt drone. But I couldn't resist because it was turning out so beautifully. And I'm yeah. like, I just want my fingerprints on that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, I think there's a there's a uh, another part of your personality that shines through with this, and that is um, whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it mm -hmm. takes, whatever it takes to make it a success, um, and you know, if that means getting dirty, then that's part of the journey. And yeah. you know, they will tell that story more than yeah. you'll ever tell that story. They'll be like, yeah. you know, one day she's here in her high heels, the next day she's here in her boots. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think it can be a little confusing to people because, like, that's not what we expected of you. Yeah, it's not close. Yeah. Hold on. Let's, re <laughs> let's read the contract we signed with her. <laughs> but I love it. And I think it does go back, again, it, it all comes back to, like, childhood. And this is what I did with my dad. You know, he had me yeah. doing all that from the time I was a little kid. He worked with this company as well that would get houses ready for sale. But because of he had PTSD because of the, you know, uh -huh. military and didn't like to go under sinks or in crawl spaces or up in attics. And so he'd be like, here, here's a flashlight. You, can look <laughs> you know, if there's water leaks, this is what you're looking for. I'm like, I, I loved it. I'm like, I'm under a sink with a you, flashlight. Like, what you, were the, <laughs> you were the true apprentice, the true apprentice. Like, and I'm like, just so that's the part of me that is still there to this day. I'm like, I want to get under that sink and I want to figure out why that's not working right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got what my best buddy, he used to work as an industrial engineer. Um, he's sort of, he's, he's, he flips houses now, but he's retired um, if, from, you know, doing any day work as such. He just manages investments and stuff like that. But he, when I first met him, I was working in the clothing trade and I'd rock in and I'd have on, you know, like I'm, I'm the design director or whatever. I'd, I wouldn't be dressed up fancy. I used to down dress always. I'd be in sneakers, jeans. <laughs> You know, like that kind of that kind of more Ralph Lauren as Ralph would be than I would be, you know, the product person on the other side. And um, I used to get a fair bit of flack in the design industry. Not flack, just I was recognized as, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's just, you know, he that's him. That's how he turns up. But I would also like have no qualms about getting on my hands and knees to do something or just be all in. And um he would turn up in this. So I knew this guy from, you know, he was a buddy of mine and he's like, you know, Mr. Fix, he's, a, he's like MacGyver. He can fix anything. He can see the vision of it. He'd turn up in a suit but to, <laughs> to the factory in the suit. And I'd be like, I'd look at him and I'd say to him, what's with the suit, man? And he goes, I'm not getting my hands dirty. <laughs> he could do any of the jobs that they were doing. He could do any of the things. But he goes, it's not my job to do that. It's my job to empower them to do it. And if I'm in a suit, they see me as a sense of authority to empower them to do it. I'm giving them permission and method, um, but I'm not here to do the job. They need to call a contractor if it's bigger than that. And I'm like, wow, what a cool transition. 
you know, but I'm like you, I go, I'll be on site and I'll be like, yeah, um, is it cool if I go up that scaffold? And they'll go, not without a helmet. Okay, cool, give me a helmet. And they'll be like, you know, like, I'll, I'll go anywhere. Do I need to be tied on? I, I won't tie on, but if they need to be tied on for workplace health and say, bang, tie me on, off we go, let's do it. You know, like just constantly I'm looking for, well, to be a part of what it is and how we yeah, can make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if yeah. I have to sit on the dusty floor or if I have to whatever, that's part of the fun of the journey. Um, it is, really is. Yeah, but to me, it would it be all. It's not just something that I created on a vision board or yeah. which I don't even use, to be honest with you, except for for TV, because they force you to have a vision board, a vision the, board you, know, yeah. just, you know, do everything very intuitively or, or or architectural plans or something. If it was up to me, I would work without them. But obviously for permits, we need them. But that was <laughs> why I needed to take some time um, just to, to sit for a minute, because my biggest struggle with the idea of doing another show they're like, okay, if, if it's successful, there's more and more homes added. There's more episodes added, which means you don't get to be hands-on. And so my biggest challenge in season one was I wanted to be completely hands-on, but because I'm an unknown and was an unknown entity, you know, basically they're like, we're going to need to bring somebody else in. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. I do my designs and I do them from start to finish. And if that means I'm up there on the scaffolding, I'm up there on the scaffolding. And so, um, you know, I did end up, you know, getting my way, but they've already said, you understand if there's a season two or another show, you can't do 18 episodes by yourself. And, um, <laughs> and we, we will burn you out. We will right, burn you exactly. out. And I just yeah. see physically it's not possible. So it's almost like you give birth and then you're like, here, take my baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because I just, I'm so passionate about it and I love it. And I love our families. Um, you know, even the difficult families, I, uh-huh. I said to one of our families, he was very difficult for us. We were definitely having some issues and I pulled him aside one day and I said, listen, here's, here's the truth. <laughs> and, uh, I said, I, I want to give you something that will make your family so happy. And I said, I know you're not on board with us coming in because a lot of times they don't necessarily get a full say in what's going to happen. Right. I said, but I want you to know I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. And I said, and if you can trust me, I will continue to listen. And I'm not going to be the type of designer that just says, I want my stamp on this. That's not who I am. I know some designers, um, I know you guys have talked about this on another show. Some of them, it's all about their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Will this fit mm-hmm. in with my portfolio? My portfolio is going to look like crap. <laughs> okay. Because it's all yeah. the board. There's no and thread. It's going to no. be whatever comes from the guest or the person that you're working with. I think That's- the thread will be, you know, my my lines, my rooms are very simple. They're very much at minimalist. At ease is the word. Not so much minimalist because most of my clients aren't minimalist, but there's going to be an ease to the flow. There's going to be an ease to the room. Um, Even if there's a lot of stuff and it's going to make sense why that stuff is in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I may have tried to get them to get rid of half of it, but a lot of times maybe I can't. But But I want to be able to walk in and feel at ease. It's this again, this emotional thing of where, you know, how does something feel as opposed to just how is it and what emotions does it evoke for people is, um, you know, how do you create that emotional floor plan as which supports people? And then Mm -hmm. from that emotional floor plan, how do we get the, 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 I suppose the, the fabric of it together to make it available? Um, yeah, I love that, that emotional floor plan, you know, because even though I'm introvert, um, I'm, I'm, for some reason, community is so important to me, you know, uh-huh. like I 
fly home every holiday. Like I do all the cooking for the family and I just love having everybody around the table. I love when you said you used to have a cafe. I'm like, that would be my dream would be to have a design studio where people can just come and have some coffee. They can have, you know, a sandwich and we can sit there and just, you know, figure out where we're going to go from. It doesn't have to be this uptight experience. I think that's the bottom line for me is yes, again, there's rules to it and you sit there yeah. and you study the rules. That's why I went to night school. That's why I got my contractor's license. I want to know those rules, but I don't want it to feel like you've walked in and there's a bunch of rules that were followed. Anybody. Yeah, by the way, you're going to do this over here and this over here, and this is going to happen this way. I always think um, I used to train innovation and um, with uh, Airbus is one of the clients that we worked with. And so I trained them in innovation and like, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I didn't need to. I was training them and how to solve the problem. Um, but with it, we learn the rules so that we can have the baseline to innovate from. And those rules will be the rules no matter what. And there's sort of levels of rules, but there's there's the rules that um, you learn to know how to manipulate. You know, yeah. that, that that's like law. It's like there's the precedence, there's the rules. How do we think beyond this to, to change this thing? Um, and in design, I think the same thing. We learn the rules and then in knowing those rules, then we've got an opportunity to grow from them. They're the platform that sets it. And we can mess with them, but they will still be underlying, you know. And then the journey of fun, the journey of excitement, the journey of um, going down this, this um, creation and starting that and, and keeping the energy that goes with it, because it will get hard. It will get complicated. How do we maintain that energy? And, you know, a client comes to somebody and they, they're thinking of, you know, standing in their kitchen or playing in their gym or you know, having a music room, you know, that's what they're thinking of. They have to go through all this to get that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's yeah. not just there for them. You know, I often say to clients, take your money and go and see if you can buy it already. If it already exists, why go through this? I love that. And yeah. it, we'll make it fun. We'll, we'll have as much fun as we can to get through this journey. But if not, if it's, if it's overwhelming, go and buy something that already yeah. delivers it if you can do that. That's fantastic. And I love giving people permission to try and maybe it doesn't work. I think that's yeah. another thing. You know. Most stuff can be returned, you know, like even myself in this tiny house, I decided I'm going to experiment with some things that I don't know if they're going to work. You know, like I, mm -hmm. I, it's a tiny house with low ceilings, maybe eight feet high. You don't put a two foot yeah. in that space. And I'm like, why don't you? <laughs> and, and can and can I? Like, can I put that? It doesn't, maybe it's not centered in the room because you'll bump your head on it because our ceilings are so low. But what if it's over in a corner and that corner is now a special little nook? Yeah. Why can't I do that? Who said I can't do that? Yeah. <laughs> and I like I'm that. So glad I did. It's like one of my favorite moments in, yep. in, in space. Breaking um, the rules, like just yeah. twist, just, just playing yeah. with those rules. Mm -hmm, I've got, mm -hmm. I've got a, I've got one last question for you, which is going to be if you were giving um, somebody, who wanted the advice, um, how do they take one career and then look at it and take it to um, this, to, into another career? Because you've done that. How do you do that? And how do you, it, it, what sort of advice would you give somebody who's going, I, I enjoy what I do, but I'm, I've lost my either passion for it or I've lost my um, mojo around it. What would you say to them? How, that is how, such a tough thing. You know? I know. Like, I wanted it to be tough. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is very tough. And I think, first of all, be patient with yourself is the uh -huh. first thing I would 
Um, it, it may take a process of self-exploration and understanding. And like I had other people that were able to speak into it who saw threads, there's probably going to be threads in the life that maybe you never sewed together before they didn't, it wasn't the time for them to come, come together. Like for me, it started in childhood, went all the way up through present day where during COVID I'm out there with power tools. And I'm like, so that thread never changed at any point in my life. And even when I wasn't doing it, I was reading about it. I was studying um, mm -hmm. design. I was interviewing. You're passionate um, about it. I was, it was always still there. Um, and so, you know, in hindsight, it's like, man, she was really stupid not to see that that's what she should have been doing. <laughs> but I think the block for me was I always thought, well, I should have gone to architecture school. That was always why I never pursued it. I didn't go to school in architecture. And I was like, that's, you know. That's um, the missing, but, that's the missing link. So I think there's a, maybe for some people, there might be a block that they have to get past. And mm -hmm. what is an understanding just because you maybe didn't do that or don't have that degree or you don't, in my case, also being in LA, it was like, I, uh, I I'm older. I'm not 20 years old. I'm not five ten and blonde. I'm like five feet tall and black, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm not really the, the model of what you look at when you look at Hollywood. In fact, I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, did we even know what Hollywood was when we were growing up in a farm yeah, right. And we wow. didn't even know what Hollywood was. Wow. And so now, you know, here in Hollywood, developing TV shows is like I'm sitting back observing my own life. So I think you get to a point where you have to be comfortable with um, giving up the control and just observing and going, okay, this is coming all, you know, into my life. I'm going to observe it. And um, and at a certain point, I'm going to say, yes, I'm, I'm going to do this. But I, at, for right now, I just need to observe this because I'm actually having a heck of a time with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think those are, I think those are really, really, really cool. Um, like insights, you know, being patient with yourself is really good. Like it's it, it allowing yourself, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. Be patient, let it be a journey. And, and then looking for the threads of where your passion lies, like looking for what those things are and the things that often are so natural to you, you can't, you don't see them. Somebody else needs to see them. And then, you know, letting that, what's the block? What's the belief system that is, that you're using as an excuse? And I don't mean that in a horrible way, but you can't necessarily see it, but you know it's there and it's stopping you. And then what's the, what's the way around that block? What's the way? So either solve it by going and doing whatever it takes to solve it, but, or move it sideways and keep moving past it, you know? Right. I love that. I think that's golden. Um. I've got so many more things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. We will be back. I'm so keen to. Oh, so, so much fun. Oh, yeah. Really, so really like, cool. Hour long podcast. I'm a journalist. We get, you know, a minute and a half. I'm not used to this. But I've loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Me too, Shay. It was brilliant. We'll post all your socials and do all that kind of stuff. And we'll be in touch very soon. Thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking 
let's say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say well, why not just leave it as it is and see how they answer and then you might say why did you want to speak to me why did you not get someone else and see if they follow you see if they answer properly and the third question would be well why not do it later now by asking these negative questions you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away they're either going to react or they're not and if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important then what they're doing is telling you how important something is now while these magic arrows are great for fast results when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.